Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We're learning more this morning about what has become the largest cluster of coronavirus cases in the entire federal prison system. It's centered at the prison complex in Lompoc along California's central coast. More than 900 inmates there have now tested positive for COVID-19. As KCRW's Matt Gillum reports, that's more than three quarters of the prison's population of inmates. The number of coronavirus cases at Federal Correctional Institution Lompoc has shot up like a rocket. Hundreds of new infections a day have been reported in the last week. In an attempt to address the crisis, the Lompoc prison complex has constructed a military-grade mobile hospital on the grounds to treat inmates. It's also started testing everyone held at the facility. So far, two Lompoc inmates have died from the virus. During a briefing, Santa Barbara County's public health officer, Dr. Henning Ansorg, said the majority of people testing positive are displaying minor symptoms or none at all. Santa Barbara County Supervisor Greg Hart has expressed frustration, saying local authorities have no control over the handling of the outbreak in Lompoc and have been rebuffed by prison officials. When the Central Coast outbreak is combined with the one at the Terminal Island Prison in San Pedro, the number of infected inmates at both facilities accounts for about half of the federal inmates in the country to test positive for COVID-19. For the California Report, I'm Matt Gillum in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom's administration is defending several unsuccessful deals it made to buy medical masks and face shields that help protect against COVID-19. In an assembly oversight hearing at the state capitol yesterday afternoon, officials stressed no taxpayer money was actually lost in those deals. KQED's Katie Orr reports. The administration came under fire after several different multi-million dollar contracts were either canceled, delayed, or failed to deliver most of what was promised. Office of Emergency Services Director Mark Ghirlarducci says the state was under pressure to secure massive amounts of protective equipment quickly while vetting vendors in a market rampant with fraud. The state had very little leverage to bargain with. Just as we were notified of a potential source and the source appeared legitimate, it was lost to another buyer. Gillarducci emphasized the state did not lose any money on the deals. Lawmakers on the oversight panel were sympathetic, but several suggested the state's procurement model should be reviewed to prevent similar situations going forward. In Sacramento, I'm Katie Orr, KQED News. Several weeks ago, an oil and gas group representing hundreds of companies that drill in California asked the state for help to prevent a collapse of their industry and the loss of jobs. California regulators say they're prepared to give a break to oil and gas producers dealing with severe drops in fuel demand because of the COVID-19 crisis. KQED's Ted Goldberg reports. The California Independent Petroleum Association said the state's shelter-in-place orders were hurting its members. The group set a proposal by the Newsom administration to add regulatory staff and a deadline to pay fees and submit management plans for thousands of vital wells would make things worse. State regulators now say if oil and gas producers can prove the pandemic is hurting their business, they will postpone the deadline on fees and well management plans. 
Environmentalists say the industry is using the health care crisis and economic downturn to avoid compliance with state regulations. That was KQED's Ted Goldberg. Turning to higher education, the COVID-19 pandemic is costing universities across the state millions as key sources of revenue have disappeared. In the Cal State system, officials say the final tally of lost income could end up topping $300 million. KQED's Shannon Lynn has more. Lost campus housing and parking fees make up over half of the revenue losses after students and most staff members were sent home mid-March. The system has spent an additional $50 million on operational costs like cleaning and online learning. But that's a small percentage of the system's budget, which was at an all-time high prior to the pandemic, says CSU's Michael Eulenkamp. We have a robust reserve policy so that we're prepared for some level of budget uncertainty. But in terms of, you know, where we're going to be going forward, it really is going to be a reflection of what the governor proposes for us potentially as early as Thursday. The system has also received funds from the Federal CARES Act that is expected to cover a large portion of revenue loss. The Board of Trustees is expected to discuss their financial status in detail later today. That was KQED's Shannon Lynn reporting. In other higher education news, UC President Janet Napolitano is recommending something that would have been unthinkable just a few years ago, suspending the use of the SAT and the ACT in admissions. She's pushing to do that through the year 2024. And beyond that, she's also considering getting rid of the standardized tests altogether. Napolitano's proposal came out yesterday and includes a plan for the UC to come up with a test of its own. The UC system already canceled the testing requirements for students who apply for fall 2021 because of the pandemic. One out of every five workers in California has filed for unemployment since the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And economists say for many companies, there's a better way. It's called work sharing, a lesser known program that lets employers cut hours and use unemployment benefits to make up for lost wages. But employers say California's work sharing application process is outdated and long waits have been discouraging for their workers. From KPCC in Los Angeles, David Wagner has more. Graphic designer Nestor Escobar works for Marketing Innovations International, or MII for short. The LA-based company sources promotional products from Asia and customizes them, like special keychains for graduation parties. Escobar feels lucky to still have a job, but with the recent downturn, his hours have been cut by more than half. I've been dipping into my own personal vacation hours just to make up for the time. I don't know how long that's going to last. But MII has a plan to get Escobar and nine other workers paid for these recent lost hours. The company is applying for California's work-sharing program. It would let them cut hours by up to 60 percent and then use unemployment funding to help replace lost wages. I have faith in the program because I've seen it work. Frank Mullins is MII's chief financial and chief operating officer. He says the company enrolled in work sharing back in 2009 during the Great Recession, and it saved jobs. We had four employees on that program, and all were very happy with the ability to keep their job, keep their benefits, and try to get as close to full pay as possible. Work sharing isn't as well known as traditional unemployment insurance, but it's credited with saving more than 350,000 jobs in California during the last recession. And it's being rediscovered during this pandemic by organizations like the LA Times, which is pursuing it to avoid newsroom layoffs. 
UCLA economist Till von Wachter says in a recession, cutting hours is a better approach than cutting jobs. Workers would be attached to their benefits, including the health insurance. Another benefit is that there's a, an ongoing relationship between workers and firms that would allow us to hit the ground running once the pandemic is over. It's also better for the state's finances, because unlike traditional unemployment insurance, work sharing is funded entirely by the federal government. But for executives at MII, re-enrolling in California's program has been frustrating. Even though most unemployment claims can now be made online, work sharing still required the company to mail in its application. One employee asked to be furloughed so she could seek unemployment benefits on her own, rather than wait for the company's work sharing plan to be approved. Accountant Angelica Bright can understand why. If I'd have known then what I know now, I may have gone the unemployment route. Bright says she would have missed her rent this month if it weren't for her son. He got laid off from his job as a restaurant server, and unlike her, he has already started collecting unemployment. If it wasn't for the fact that he was able to collect that money, I would really be in a, in a terrible jam. California officials say they're updating the work-sharing system. Employers should be able to apply online starting this month. Von Wachter, the UCLA economist, says without those fixes, employers might skip out on participating in the program. The difficulty in applying and the delay in processing will make this program less attractive, even though it could be a very good option. About a month after they applied, good news came in the mail for MII. They were approved for work sharing. The company still needed to mail in more forms before workers could start getting benefits, but they could now breathe a sigh of relief and get back to work. For The California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles. And that's The California Report for this Tuesday, May 12th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Support for The California Report comes from California Earthquake Authority, urging Californians to prepare for the next damaging earthquake. Learn more at earthquakeauthority.com. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.